Welcome to another episode of Culture Score. I'm BT. This is Marcus, everybody. Culture Score is a podcast at the intersection of black culture and popular culture with a focus on film and TV. Today, we're finally making our way back to TV and navigating the path to understanding how Captain America became a black man. We are covering the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is, in my opinion, the boldest and most grounded storytelling ever done by Marvel. According to Isaiah in the, in the show, they would never let a black man be Captain America, and even if they did, no self-respecting black man would want to be. This was brought to you by Disney via Disney+. Plus. The director is Kerry Scoglin, the showrunner is Malcolm Spellman, writers and producers, a lot of them. And for this one instance, I thought to add, Marcus, um, a unit production manager, what they call a UPM, was um, they got a couple, Dan Hug and Helen Pollack. And the reason I added a UPM for the folks that listen to us and are not very familiar with the production of a film or a TV show is that UPMs are actually very critical. They're like control tower for budget schedules and all the moving pieces that lead to creating these fabulous TV shows and movies. The leads. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. Marcus, take it away. This has been one of those years where people being cooped up at home, and I think uh, Disney Plus, uh, especially with The Mandalorian and WandaVision, they've done a great job of just making you feel a theatrical experience at home. And so they bring us the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, someone that two characters that's kind of been outliers a little bit that you don't know a whole lot about. They finally get their, their moment in the sun, their time to shine. So long story short, we all know if, we, we've, if you've been a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that uh, Steve Rogers is no longer the Captain America. And so the shield is vacant. And Anthony Mackie was given the shield um, by Steve Rogers, but he decided that it wasn't for him. And so this series, which is six episodes, take you through the changing of the guard, the changing of his mind. It explores deeply um, some of the things that you don't always get to see. Like when you see Tony Stark, he's a multi-billionaire, he's affluent. But here you have, you know, Sam, and he's a regular black man that's not got like super abilities, but he has this suit and this technology given to him by Tony Stark and all these types of things. But it deals with the balancing of being a black man and being a superhero. Uh, Bucky, who everybody may know better as the Winter Soldier, who is a friend of Steve Rogers from the 1940s. Um, these two is kind of like, it seems like it's going to be a buddy cop film, um, but it ends up having a lot more layers to it than that. So we'll start kind of going into it and doing a deep dive. And uh, Ben, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. I like how you're calling it a film, by the way, as opposed to a show, because it does feel like a long film, right? Yeah, it does. It feels very cinematic. So let me correct myself. It is a series, but it's but it feels film. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Like you watch it and you're like, is this a long film or is this a TV show? But anyway, so I, I think the elephant in the room with this show is that Captain America is a black man. And question really is, why does this matter? Because it comes up, Marcus, to you, like, why does it matter? What perils, like, what can you say about that? There's two sides to this coin. Um, there's one side that it does matter because 
representation matter. Um, for so long, people of color, women, the LGBTQ community, we never had anyone with abilities or someone who could be a superhero, look like us, sound like us, have our background. So from a viewer standpoint, it matters in that we can be that too. We can be convincing as well. Um, we can save lives. We're good-hearted people. We're wholesome. Um, so in that aspect, it matters. But then there's a flip side of that coin where it's like, so what? He's a black man. I mean, no one ever says, hey, Batman, he's a white man. Nobody ever says like, hey, Superman, he's a, well, he's an alien, but he looks like a white man. Nobody ever says that. And so does it say something about us that every time someone is not white, we have to say it's an Asian superhero, it's a gay superhero, it's a black superhero? Like, why is only when you're white, you get to just be whatever you are, but when you're a person of color or you're LGBTQ or, or plus, or you are a, I don't know, whatever the case may be, or if you're a certain religion, if you're Muslim or you're Hindu, oh, it's a Muslim superhero. Like, why is that? And I think it says more about us as a people than it does anything about that film or TV series, because that's, we're just so used to labeling anyone who's not white um, and sometimes who's not male, white, cis male, you're other. And so we have to highlight it. And so it's kind of, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. But at the same time, if you ask me which side I lean towards, it does matter. Um, it does. As a kid who, as we heard um, when we did the Justice League episode a couple of weeks back, I am a huge, you know, fanboy of superhero stuff. You know, that's something that I always loved. I read comic books. You know, those are some of the things that meant something to me. Um, growing up, you didn't have a lot of representation. You know, you just didn't. Um, when I was growing up, I loved the Super Friends because that was like a superhero cartoon. But most of the people of color who were superheroes, they were always stereotypical, like Samurai or the Apache Chief or Black Vulcan. Now, I used to say, why does every Black superhero have to have Black in front of their name? <laughs> like, why can't they just be a superhero? So I think it does matter. I mean, that's my opinion. That's my long soapbox to kind of get to your question. But what's, what's your thoughts on that, BT? So to me, why it does or does not matter. So I, I think it forces you to ask yourself these questions that you just did. Um, remember when we did Looper, one of the things that I talked about was it just not feeling comfortable that there was a black guy that was being this smooth detective you know, hiding plain sight type of character when in reality we know that's not possible. But what that does is it forces us to ask these questions of ourselves and make us realize some of the biases that we carry. You know, even as a black man, there are certain things that you're still not comfortable seeing, right? So it matters because it forces us to have these conversations and it forces us to be comfortable seeing people where they are and accepting them for who they are, where they are, and not saying, you know, you can't do this because of your race or you can't do that, right? So I think to me, that's the big thing. And especially in this climate that we're in where everything is, um, I won't say everything, there's, there's a very high awareness of racial issues to have that broad stroke representation of 
you know, Captain America in America, being a black man, being a symbol, or let's call it the mascot of America to be a black, like they said in the show, to have a black mascot of America, I think it's a very powerful message and something that, you know, creatively, we, we've talked about this a few times. It's a very conscious decision to put that in the story and, and actually expounding it a little bit more so we're not just assuming things that we've always assumed or taking for granted. The fact that things have always been this way or that way, that they could, it couldn't be a different way. Right. So to me, that's why it matters. And I know that's, that's why it should matter to everybody, but it's it, as much as it matters, it's also very important that it is that way. So we give ourselves a latitude to start branching out into different aspects of storytelling and different visuals um, that are representative of the people that are watching it. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, those are all excellent points. I mean, I think anytime you watch a movie, everyone has the the right and everyone will garner something different from it. Um, some people will be like, wow, like I, I just remember um, seeing your, one. I think your favorite movie, Black Panther, and I just remember how it was an event. Like how many people were coming in there wearing their African garbs, um, how many kids, just just the jubilation on their face. I mean, you would have thought you were at Disney World. Like just, just seeing something that represents you in such a manner that is positive, that is innovative, that is fresh, that defies stereotypes. It's, it's just so important to see that. And I want the same thing that every little, and not even just little black kids, you know, like how many white kids went and saw Black Panther because it was a Marvel movie. And everybody who lives in this country do not live in uh, an urban area. Maybe you live in Rhode Island or Vermont or Nebraska or Montana. And you could be a kid that's never even met a black person, a brown person, or whatever the case may be. And then you see this movie, and it defies what society might tell you is Africa. You know, Africa Absolutely. is a continent. It's not just a country. It's a whole continent and so many times when i was growing up and you would see commercials they would just show africa with these little malnourished children and had flies flying around them and these types of things shape the way you view people it makes you feel not me but it makes a lot of people feel as if hey i have something they're poor these are people who are filled with handouts and don't you know they don't have what i have but black panther dispelled that myth for a generation of people by showing this place that is innovative, that is quite possibly the most innovative place on earth. And, you know, just the way they carry themselves and the garb, it may not look like the Western world, but there was still a regality to it. I think that matters so much. You know, I don't, you know, I know I'm going down this, uh, this, this, this little tunnel, but I think the, we just, we all get so much from things like this and representation. It so matters, you know, whether it's you're the president of the United States and, you know, you see a, a person of color become the president, or if you see, uh, you know, a black woman winning Wimbledon, or whatever the case may be, or you see an Asian person winning the gold medal, or a Hispanic person being the first pilot, or whatever it is, it makes you feel like I'm a part of this. And one of the conversations we had a few weeks ago with Minji is like, so many times we feel isolated, like it's them and it's us. So at least with entertainment, and I don't know if there's any form of anything that's out there that shapes the views and minds of people more than entertainment, 
So to see a, a black man represent the quote unquote red, white, and blue and, and taking a mantle of one of the most respected superheroes since, you know, superheroes was first written in comic books. Oh yeah, it means a whole, whole lot to a whole, whole lot of people. And I think the way this show depicted that was pretty brilliantly done. So let me drag you back. I know you probably don't want to talk, but let me drag you back. You said the way the character was depicted, right? I think one thing that Marvel does, and we've talked about this, is character development, that they uniquely have done a hell of a job developing characters in all their movies and the connective tissue between the characters in a way that almost forces you to continue to want to watch the next one that's coming. I actually plan to watch it. So in this movie, in the development of the new Captain America, like they they had a lot of parallels in the movie that builds up to the fullness and the struggles, the fullness of the character and the struggles that the character has within themselves in accepting this role and also the challenge, societal challenges that they face by being black in the role and not actually just letting it just hang. They actually sit on it and, and establish all these parallels that make you say, okay, they went to they they went into it the depths of who this character is and developed it. So, what are some of the parallels that you saw in the movie? You know, I think when people see this movie or this TV show, um, this series, I should say, um, I think you anticipate that it's going to be a buddy cop kind of show. Um, it's going to be like a Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, or like Miami Vice with Crockett and Tubbs with a little humor in it between Bucky and Sam. And it and it there there's aspects of that. There's totally aspects of that. But I felt the most interesting duo uh storyline was really between Sam and Isaiah. Um uh, Isaiah's played by Carl Lumbly, who I think is kind of kind of one of the beacons of the entire uh series. Um, he's basically a former super soldier, just like the original Captain America, Steve Rogers was. Um, the only difference is because of his uh, the color of his skin, he was forced into, into genetic slavery and he was wrongfully imprisoned. And I just felt like there were so many parallels to his story to monumental, you know, black events, such as like, you know, him going through the genetic slavery is, reminded me of the Tuskegee syphilis study and him being wrongly imprisoned just kind of reminded me of like Nelson Mandela. And to see that, and he was so adamant about, you know, telling um, Anthony Mackie, Sam character, America's never going to accept you as Captain America. It, it was almost as if he was forbidding him from doing it because this man had so much hurt that he was basically in hiding and the world thought that he, had, he was dead. That's how little he felt America cared about him. And so... That that to me just said so much about how much you know time has changed and how much it hasn't changed, you know. Because to have a black man uh, representing America in Stars and Stripes, especially a man that is he's replacing somebody who's already so beloved, that's 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 a cluster, <laughs> you know. You know what it is for some people, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear you. Because, I mean, initially to me at the end of, what was it? Avengers? You know, when, when they did the first transition of, you know, the new Captain America and Sam getting it, you know, I was like, this is so established. Like, why do it now? Right. And at the time in the back of my head, I was like, oh, 
and he's probably getting too expensive. So they want to move on to a cheaper guy. And then you watch this and you're like, this is America. This is the story of America. This is the story of the struggles of America. And they, they establish it in such a good way that makes you actually want to see what's next. Because now they've opened him up to sensitivities that you otherwise would take for granted because everything the other Captain America established is no longer as relevant because now you expect, you know, a new new point of view and a new lens of looking at things, right? Because he's absolutely going to look at certain things through the, the lens of a black person and the experiences of a black person, who he is. And it's very so I can transition that very neatly into something that I thought about the connective tissue as well, which I'll just tie down to culture, which is you know, to me, like it'd be, it would have been very weird if the rationale behind how Sam became Captain America was never told, right? Because it was like, okay, we just had the hand, you know, the handoff, so that was that, right? So I think we always argued, you know, the the benefit of this this cinematic universe is, is that the character is bigger than the person that's actually playing it, and then you know, I'm thinking like, okay, so that was the case, and then now it's not right. It feels weird to have a black person that we know is playing a character that's supposed to be bigger than the person playing it. But it just gives you all these cultural hints, right, of what America is about. Like, you know, the symbolisms and race and family and society and history and heroism, right? And, you know, even the part that, you know, he drank the, the tiger drink that was made with the guts of like a dead snake. I look at him like, man, it's neat that they're actually diving to certain things that a cultural, like that may not have been black American culture, but it's cultural to different places, right? So I just think overall, from a cultural standpoint, the show did a great job of drilling into how Captain America became black. And, you know, the the challenges that the black person faces, you know, between juggling of being a superhero, trying to provide for the family, getting a bank loan rejection, you know, the the biases and the fluidity in the rules at the bank, the fluidity and his interactions with the cops and, you know, how being pulled over and then wanting to take a selfie and then, you know, you know what I mean? So I think culturally they did a good job of inserting all these components of Black American history, the Black American role in society, and all these things. And they did a very good job of in, inserting them intentionally, hence why we're talking about it, right? But I also think an extension to that is I want to give Marvel and Disney kudos for doing this, that they didn't shy away from the modern America. Like they didn't shy away from this woke America where people are asking a lot of questions and people are demanding equity and they're demanding inclusion, right? So I think it's very important that because we talk about, you know, culture school being at the intersection of black culture and popular culture. And I know we we end up talking a lot more about culture than black culture. But I think it's important that when we do these reviews of these movies, we just don't spend time talking about cinematic choices and the cameras that they use and who the director and the writer was. But we talk about how they develop people so they're actually human. And so they can allow us now to say, okay, this human has all these dimensions. And even though they're sitting in Captain America, because they have all these dimensions, we can understand if going forward, he's predisposed to want to save a family, 
because you know we've seen his sister, we've seen his nephews, right? We've seen all these things. So to me, I think it was very impactful um, and, and very intentional in how it was done, but also a critical part of allowing us to have these conversations around culture, Black America, Black Captain America, American history, American symbols, and, and this is what entertainment should do because entertainment is where people decide if they want to get a shot or not, right? They see that on TV. They don't question it too much. And it's the exact same place where a lot of people go to say, okay, I'm going to take my vaccine. Okay. I'm going to watch this show. I'm not going to watch this show. This show speaks to me and all of those things. Right. But I mean, not to blow it on that too much. I want to ask you. Well, can I, let me, let me say something real quick before you, before you jump, let me just throw this one thing. Um, I disagree with you a little bit. Um, if I find if I find fault with the series about one thing, so much happened um, during the making and prior to this show being done. And I do like that they show that not every superhero is affluent and he's still got to take care of his family and where does he make his money? And they kind of sort of touched some of those things, but I feel like they kind of brushed it a little bit. Um, when the cops pull him over, and and then they basically let him go because they now know who he is. I would have liked to double down on some of those things more. I would have liked to see them go a little deeper. Um, I think because superhero movies are more easily digested, I feel like it's it left some it left some meat on the bone that could have went deeper. Because I remember hearing and reading some stuff, and I think you and I talked about this offline a few weeks ago. You know, Will Smith is one of the biggest movie stars, probably one of the most recognizable faces on the globe. And you still hear stories about him getting pulled over by the cops for no reason. And then when they figure out who he is, they want to autograph. So I would have liked to have seen, like, what if this thing would have escalated? What if it would have? What if he wasn't a superhero? Like, I would have liked to see that more. And one other thing that I, you know, that I, I thought about this, Bucky, or, or you know, character, is basically from the 1940s. And if he's from the 1940s and he's basically been in a cryogenic chamber, did you think he would just come out and just be so quote unquote woke to the way of the world in, in 2021? Would he still have some preconceived notions? <laughs> you so know? that so that's that's a very intellectual direction you're going with that. But let, let me give you a rebuttal. So I appreciate that you 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 disagree to be on that, but let me give you a rebuttal because this is actually an aspect of the movie. I didn't want I didn't want us to get into this until we get to the score. But I, I think drilling into him getting pulled over. So that's Sam, when he got pulled over and they recognized him and they let him go, like that's not the typical experience, right? So I get that. And I agree with you, there's that opportunity to do that. The, there's there are enough pockets in the film, actually. I just said film, right? In the show, there are enough pockets. It's in hard the show. when it's streaming. It's hard right. when it's streaming. So let's let's just go ahead and put that out there. We're right. gonna do this every time we talk about a streaming. We might interchangeably I'm, say film or TV show, but no, it is so good too. So you just don't know what's <laughs> what, right? But I think there are enough instances in the movie already where there are things that were brought up. That were like plot holes. Like so if they drill in and they stop him and they're not letting him go just because they recognize who he is, then what? Where does that lead it? Like what what what's that do to the plot? Like what does it add? So I feel like there's some of those things that you touch on and you leave alone, even though that's sort of like hanging, but you don't want to get, get that. 
yeah, you don't want to get too deep into it because then it kind of starts dragging the story a little bit and then it inevitably has to end somewhere. And then when it ends, you're like, what exactly did that add? So maybe you're right. That would take it too far to a drama and not enough for action. But here's here's one that I would throw at you. Even in the instance where he's struggling trying to keep the family's boat, I just felt like it, it's movie magic. Like it was just wrapped up like a like a 30-minute sitcom. Like they were struggling to get this boat that their parents left them that means so much to them fixed. The bank uh, turned them down for a loan, even though he's a superhero. And I just feel like, oh, well, where are you going to get the money from? Oh, you know what? Well, my parents, um, a lot of people owe them favors. So the whole community came and helped fix the boat. I Those kind of things, because the struggle that Black people find, deal with every day with banks and and having higher interest rates for banks even uh, and, and car loans, even though they make the same amount of money as their peers, I would have liked for, sometimes I just feel like shows get buttoned up too easily. It's just too nice. It's just too perfect. And that's not, the, that's not the world that most Black people live in. Um, you and I are both professional people. We got great jobs. We make good money. But still, if I walked into bank, whatever bank, there's a high probability that if a, a white person looked exactly like me, the same age, same credit score, he or she may get a much better credit rating than I do. So I just feel like there's times, there's certain nuances that I get that you can't go into the minutia for every little thing. But I think being a black superhero is front and center to this show. So I think sometimes I don't want you to skate from the realities of that. I would love to see you kind of double down and use it as a teachable moment since you have such a worldwide audience. And with all of the things that's gone on for the last, you know, I don't, I can't even just say a year, for the last forever, but especially in the last year, I, it would have been nice to do a, a deeper dive. But still, I'm not taking nothing away from Disney+. Plus. I do want to give them kudos for even addressing some of these issues. But I do say, I, I, as a person, as a black man, and as a person who have loved comic books and superheroes his whole life, I still think there was uh, an avenue to go a little bit deeper, to tell a little bit more of the story of what it's really like, instead of just being a little bit of a, a surface level uh, comment here or there. Yeah, that one, I don't think you and I are going to come together on that one. So we'll pin that and move on. Because I am okay. totally like, this enough for what they did. I don't think, it, well, I, let me just say I don't think. I have not seen it done before. So I was like, appreciate that you're going this direction. Um, you're not adding too much to the story. You're, it's going to hang a little bit, just like the flag smashers in the movie. Like, what were they from? What were they about? Like, there's a bunch of things that I saw in the plot that just had, I could poke around and say, this added nothing, that added nothing. That's one of them. But moving on, different things. So there's a, there's a few comments, right, on the politics and the societal and cultural references. So what would you say to those who say that politics and the societal cultural references in this movie are distracting? We just spent a lot of time talking about that. What would you say to those who say these particular things are distracting to the movie? You know, reality-based TV has been the norm. That's, that's what, you know, people's tastes change, you know? And so I feel like ever since we've been in the world of Sopranos and The Wire and Breaking Bad, um, America and the world's television appetites has been for more reality-based storylines. Um, you know, some of the superhero movies that if you watched just 10 years ago, they're more fantasy-based. You know, um, nowadays people want something that has a, a little bit of reality to it. Because you know why? 
because it feels like more of an escapism. It's not like, hey, I just want to watch uh, Star Wars. No disrespect to Star Wars because a lot of people still love Star Wars. But I think what people are looking for now is like, I think these superhero movies that are coming out are, are basically trying to say, yes, these people got great abilities or great skills or whatever, but there can, there can be a little bit of superhero in you too. You know, you don't have to have an uh, Iron Man suit or you can turn into the Hulk or have a hammer or have x-ray vision or a utility belt. I, I think showing that the politics that we're going through now is so sensational. Like the things that's happened in our society nowadays, that's the kind of stuff they wrote about in the comic books of the 1950s, thinking that that could never happen. It was preposterous. So I think now your imagination can't actually exceed the craziness that's actually happening in our today's society. So it's forced to be somewhat reality-based. And to try to say, hey, don't, don't write the things that's happening in your times, that's almost like saying, okay, you know, um, all superhero females have to wear skirts. Well, that, that's just not realistic because that's not how people dress every day. That's like saying, hey, Superman still has to change his costume in a phone booth when there's no phone booths around anymore. You, right. you change with the times because you have to or else it's just not authentic <laughs> and nobody would go see that. it. You know? So anyway, that's, that's, yeah. my, that's my analysis on that. What's, what's your thoughts on it, BT? I mean, I just say distracting to who and distracting how, right? Because I think w- if you can answer those questions, then it kind of points you to where you're from. But, you know, it's like to me personally, I like to be seen and I like to be heard. And if that bothers you, right? I cannot feel sorry for that. And I cannot apologize for being seen or wanting to be seen or wanting to be heard. I didn't, I don't go watch a show just to see other people and not feel like this is, this is my story as well. Right. So unless somebody's telling me that, you know, how I feel and my anonymity, you know, my anonymity annoys you, that I'm not really sure how to relate to that. So if it's okay for you to honor the flag, which I know it com- comes up in the movie, if it's okay for you to honor it, even though that means something else to somebody else, and to bring it up in a different instance in a way that's not exactly how you see it, it's just allowing you to go to the other side and walk in the shoes of the other person, even though I, I don't really like using walking in somebody's shoes because I don't know if that's possible with every other, every other thing that comes to it. So, I mean, it goes back to me. I'm like distracting to who, distracting how. Like that's not, allow yourself to enjoy it. Allow yourself to, and this is, I think it's a good segue into this whole fantasy versus reality thing. Allow yourself to go between the different channels of the story development and the character development. Because if you want to follow these characters into all the spaces that they need to go into, you need to know why they make their decisions. You need to know why they have empathy. So I'm not really sure why it would be distracting to you unless you want things to be just one way or another and you don't want to be inclusive of other folks. And if that's the case, then tough luck. That's how I put it. But Transitioning from that to something I, I talked about, Marcus, um, about, you know, blurring the lines between reality and fantasy. Um, is this really the new direction of superheroes, you think? I think it's the new direction for everything, <laughs> to every every form of mass media, you know, whether it's music, you know, art imitates life. I mean, I think that's the case. You know, um, no one ever says um, in the 80s, when James Bond is having to fight Russians, oh, that's distracting. It was a Cold War going on. So it was easy politics. to write. And it's politics. So it's easy yeah. to write about the Cold War, America versus the USSR. 
that's politics. When we were in um, the Gulf War, all of a sudden, everything is about fighting people in deserts. And that's, that is just the nature of the media. Art imitates life. Life imitates art. That, to me, that's what it is. And I think viewers don't just believe that, um, you know, superhero, like we're more, we're more cynical people. Um, there's more things to watch. Um, it's, it's no longer like when we were kids and you had Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, and PBS. There's hundreds and hundreds of stations now. So you can't, you know, and, and our attention span is at an all-time low. We're overworked people, so we don't take a lot of time to just recharge. So to get our attention, to hold our attention, it takes a lot more effort. And so where superheroes are going now um, you know, back in the day, you know, when you saw the first Batman movie come out, Michael Keaton could barely move. He could barely move in that thing. So people were like, man, I love him as Batman, but he couldn't kick nobody's rear and he can barely turn his neck. So by the time <laughs> Christian Bale came out, you know, the suit had to be more comfortable, more, you know, have more motion because we are skeptical people. We are suspicious people. We're like, hey, could, could this guy really do that? Because if we don't believe it, we're not going to go see it. <laughs> we're just not. We're like, ah. Absolutely. We're just, you know, so you got to, you, yes, you got to suspend belief to some extent. Can people fly? No. But you've already, <laughs> when you when you sign up for that, you've checked that, you've already checked that box. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you've already checked that box. But at the same time, you know, you got to blur the lines a little bit because like I said, the things that are happening in our society now are so sensational it's more sensational than almost anything that a writer could, you know, conjure up. So why not add aspects to it where you're like, hey, if Batman lived for real in 2021 in New York City, this is how it would, this is the only way he could do it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, I think that's one of the things that Marvel has done so well. You know what I'm saying? It's not like these are fantasy places. They're blowing up in New York. You know, the Hulk is smashing into buildings in, in uh, Bed-Stuy. You know, I think that there adds an element of, of authenticity to it that I think people gravitate towards. You know, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you think it blurs the line between reality and fantasy? I mean, did you, do you feel that way? And do you think it's a new direction for superheroes? And if it is, is it one that you appreciate? Or do you like to have uh, a lot more fantasy and a lot more suspension of belief? I'm going to make a, an argument here that you're probably going to call me out on, but I'll make it anyways. I think to me, the <laughs> argument is there's no such a thing as fantasy, right? Unless you're a child or the child in you is very alive. There's no such thing as fantasy. Like you said, like we know that Superman does not fly. Like we know these things, right? So when we watch it, we almost blur out those instances of beyond human capacity, right? So what I do think, though, is that there's an extension of reality that deducts the thorny aspects of reality that's fantasy, right? So we want our superheroes to be able to fly. Yeah, there's a reality that they're going to move from one place to another. We know they don't fly, so we take away that um, the limitation of wings and give them to a superhero, right? So to me as an adult... Fantasy to me, I look at a movie, I'm like, okay, that dude just jumped from a building. And I don't know if you noticed in this, in this, um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like every time they jump from a building, the CGI and they started running, the CGI was kind of choppy. And so I'm looking mm -hmm. at it like, yeah, I see you, right? So I'm like, to me, I'm like, there's really none of that. 
And so it goes back to me to the realism of what is in the movie and which is really the stories they tell and how they tell it. So is it blurring it for me? And not so much. I actually enjoy that they're grounding it, which I think is critical. I started up by saying that the way Marvel grounded this movie is like super critical to me. So is this what superhero movies should be? Yeah, because it's giving them depth. It's giving them dimensions, right? It's actually opening them to things that make them more relatable to real life challenges and not just being these things that, you know, fly and use, you know, wings and, you know, what's that? I mean, there are things in there that you look at, you're like, okay, well, Red Wing, for example, like there are all these things, a Red Wing that pops off of Sam's bag and back and goes and shoots down planes and things like that. It's like, if you really sit down, completely gets lost in that world, I'm like, I appreciate the child that's in you. I allow mine to enjoy it without killing the experience or without killing the moment. But I can't sit here and say I don't enjoy the fact that there's there's a blend between the two, even though it wouldn't be a superhero movie if they didn't have superpowers, right? So that's how I feel about it. No, I get that, man. I mean, you know what? There's a reason why these movies, whether it's Marvel or DC or, you know, some new up-and-coming, you know, made-up story about um, some superheroes. There's a reason why these movies are grossing the most money. Um, We see enough of ourselves in them to see who we would like to be, but they're dealing with issues that we deal with every day. And I think that's why they do so well. They're universal. Um, You know, the world has made us question a lot of stuff about ourselves the last couple of years. But I think the one thing about superheroes is it shows us who we all wish we were and, I, and, and maybe who we wish we could get back to because there's a wholesomeness to it. Um, you know, that's just a wholesomeness to it. And, you know, um, everybody's so offended about everything and, and everybody feels like, hey, you're taking this from me. But when you watch these superhero movies, they, they're doing it completely selfless. They're not getting paid to save your life. And so... I feel like that's the one constant for all superhero movies. Now, you got some new shows like The Boys, and they're a lot more uh, gory or whatever. And, you know, they're a little bit because everybody, you know, some people want to shift to an anti hero. But I think as long as we are, you know, we're people and we're human and we have to coexist with people, I think superheroes are going to always be in style. They may alter a little bit, they may change a little bit, but. I think that it's always going to be something that we gravitate towards, you yeah, know? Absolutely. So anyway, it's time for the, the, the big event, the main event, you know? So <laughs> it's time for the score. Round and, 12 um, heavyweight punching. Yeah, man. It's time to call it out. So um, we're going to let you uh, take the floor first. And uh, BT, what's your score for uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? So if I were Marcus, I would have given this oh, a 3.75. But, you know, I'm not. So I'm going to give it a four and that that's, I'm giving it a four. I'm actually was stuck between 3.5 and four. And so I got to set point three point seven four. I'm like, nah, my name's not Marcus. I'm going to give it a four. And I give it a four really because of the storytelling. 
Why are you laughing, man? I'm being serious here. You're the one that likes to give three points. Because, because you can't just give a score like a regular person. You got to try to drag my score and ability. <laughs> don't be mad. Don't put me in a box because you don't want right, to say hey, nothing. But can you, can you let me finish my thing? You, you asked me a question. <laughs> I just want to address it live and in color for everybody. All right. That's all right. Wait till I get my time. It's on. Go ahead. Hey, score. let me finish so you can get time. <laughs> So I'm giving it a three, uh, a, a four. See, you've, you've kind of just see a disease, man. 3.75. I'm giving it a four for storytelling and for character development, right? So the storytelling, I think, is very grounded. And consequently, when we watch Captain America and Bucky and what have you, and the Durham Elijah that showed up. So I got to throw that in too. The Durham Elijah and references to Black Panther too. Yeah, I just sprinkle that to give that a glowing four, right? But I mean, it feels like a movie, right? It's, is it, I thought it could have been better um, if it was episodic and not really serialized because there's so many plot holes in there that I thought could have been closed off. Like we talked about it earlier, like, you know, introducing Sarah, who's Sam's sister, you know, I, I don't know where that went. The cop situation, I don't know where that went. So there, there are a few things in there that, you know, I felt like could have been closed out. So I, I give it a four for that. And I also give it a four because it was very well done. I compared this to like Luke Cage. When Luke Cage season one came on Netflix, I was like, man, they should have given the UPM or the director more money because this just looked choppy, right? So I give it a, I give it a, a, a solid four um, for all of those things. Boat repair scene could not have been there. But I think Disney Plus got a home run. And I think if they keep doing shows like this, it's going to be very difficult to stop Disney Plus because they're doing it. So from one division to this one, they're showing you different dimensions of creativity and different dimensions of storytelling that really makes you not to be super stoked for the movie theaters to come back anyways, right? So a very solid four. Um, looking forward to Black Panther too. I would have died if I didn't say that. <laughs> This man and his Black Panther. I'm trying to tell you. I love Black Panther too, but man, any Black Panther reference is automatically going to give it an extra, you know, I think it's automatic an extra half a point for you. You no put a Dora Milaje doll on my door, I'm giving you a 10 on five. <laughs> well, even though you like to, uh, I don't know what's the difference between a 0.5 and me doing a 0.25. I don't know why that's such a, a irritant, but we're going to keep that party going uh, That's too. for you, man. Uh, that's not on me. No, I, I know it. That's what I'm trying to say. Why I'm always getting hated on. Anyway. Okay. So here's my thought. I, you know, this is one of those shows. Like, I know so many people really love WandaVision. And I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'm in a minority. I didn't love it. It was one episode that I loved. And I think everyone's like, man, it took so many chances. And I love that they did something that's a little outside the box. For me, this one is grounded in some reality. But I still would have liked for it to go a little bit deeper. Um, my criticism for this ep this this series is that I would have liked to have seen two more episodes. And I know that may sound like, okay, what's the big deal about two more episodes? I feel like you could have flushed out the story uh, a little bit better. I think some of those deep dives that I'm talking about, you could have had them and it would have felt organic and not um, too lecturing. Um, I would have liked to have seen, you know, a little bit more interaction between uh, Bucky and Sam. Um, you know, this is, may sound weird coming from a, a a black guy, but I I feel like Sam was kind of like I mean, excuse me, Stan's uh, character Bucky was just kind of like 
he was just there. I don't feel like he was a focal point at all, really. He was just kind of there. Um, so to me, um, do I like it? I liked it a lot. I like what it did do. I like where it did touch on the special effects when he's flying and taking down the helicopter. Man, that is that is cinematic. Yeah. I mean, I got to give this to Disney+. Plus. Let me be clear. I don't know what your budget is for all of these shows, but you at least give in each one of these series you give me some special effects that are, are are movie theater quality. And for that alone, before I even see this show, whether I like it or not, I almost feel like I got to give you two stars just because you didn't go cheap. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I got to give you two just for that. But with all that being said, overall, I really like the show. This kind of pains me because I don't really like for us to have the same score. Um, but I do think four is a solid, fair score for this this uh, show. And the reason why, because I want to tell why I can't give this five, is if you've ever watched something that um, it's like it gives you the first episode and you know there's more coming, I feel like this was a setup series. Like it was setting it up for season two. So I am expecting a lot for season two. So Disney Plus and all the folks who worked on this, I'm going to be really upset if you don't give me some of what I'm asking for for the second season because you get a four because you wet our appetite so well and you grounded these characters. But now I want to see where you're going to launch off to because to me, this was a precursor. This season was all to kind of get you ready for, okay, this is the new Captain America. I want to see what he can do. I want to see where he can go. And, and, and last thing I'll say, I've always respected Anthony Mackie, but he wasn't always my my. You know, he wasn't somebody who necessarily moved me. This role for him, it just seemed like it was natural. It just seemed like he was meant to play this role. And I and I feel like he encaptured there a lot. So with all that being said, I'm just going to say four out of five for me. I really dig it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. And it's not your typical superhero movie. It has some depth. It has some humor. Um but it has some poignancy to it as well. So um, I, I highly recommend it. And um, I think this is probably only the third time that we agreed on the score. But uh, <laughs> we, 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 both, we both give it a four this time. I appreciate that you're starting to round up those damn numbers. Oh, no, they're coming back when they deserved. They're coming back. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, when, it, when it's deserved. If, I mean, I, you know, yeah, that's, that's how I roll. I, I like to be very exact with my, my numbers. All right, cool. So one thing, you said something about Anthony Mackie that I agree with you. Like, I've struggled to not see him in his roles, right? I, I think the first time I really appreciated him was in um, Outside the Wire, mm -hmm. his movie on Netflix. And then after mm -hmm. that, it just, this just became like, he's just fitting in really well, you know, which I, I think something, we kind of rushed through that section of calling out the leads and all of that stuff. But I think we talk adequately about the movie and how they played it and all of that. But he definitely deserves a, a shout out on this one. Any last words before I send us off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a fun fact for you. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, for all of these Marvel characters, Sam Falcon, who's now Captain America, he's one of the few people who did not have to audition for his role. The role was actually written for him. And I can oh, see really? Why. Yeah, so just a little fun fact uh, there. So that maybe that's why I feel so strongly for him in his role because they had him in mind from from the beginning. And kudos to Sam, um, you know, kudos to Anthony Mackey. Uh, I just feel like he really did a phenomenal job. Uh, Sebastian Stan was great, but I, for me, my 
my all-stars in this uh in this uh series is Carl Lumbly and, and Anthony Mackey. I, their interaction, I hope they bring Carl Lumbly back, um, who's also p- portrayed other uh superhero heroes in the past too. Like if anybody's a cartoon animation fan, he's a voice of Martian and Manhunter in the the critically acclaimed Justice League. And he actually played a superhero on television. It was only on for one season in a show called Mantis. So it's just nice for him to come full circle. And for anybody out there who's a J.J. Abrams fan, um, who used to watch Jennifer Garner and Alias, that's who Carl Lumbly is. He was a black man who was um, the agent with uh, with Sidney Bristow in Alias. So I feel like his character and Anthony Mackie, I feel like they were my people who I would highlight um, in this series. So hopefully you guys will feel the same and, and you'll check it out. So anyway, BT, take us out. All right. So one real thing that I found out while I'm doing research on the show, they said there was a rumor that the show was edited to remove a plot line about some virus or viral infection after it was shot. So they had to edit that whole plot line and take it out. And that's why some people are saying there are aspects of the movie that are choppy. Maybe some of the things that we're talking about, you know, uh, because of that. But I thought, it's a good maybe nugget to have in the back of your head. But again, thanks for listening. Um, this is uh, Culture's Cause, a Speak Studio Regional. You can find us. If you're listening to us, you know where to find us. You know, download, leave us reviews, share with your friends. We appreciate any feedback you can send to us. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at, at speaks.studio. So it's speak, S-P-E-A-K-D-O-T. S-T-U-D-I-O at speak.studio. If you want to follow Marcus, he's at the Marcus T. Moore. So T-H-E-M-A-R-C-U-S-T-M-O-O-R-E. Did I get that right, Marcus? Yep. That's the me. The Marcus T. Moore. That's me. Hey, you want to follow me on social media? I'm only on IG and that's it. At at Tubo B T U B U O B E T U B U O B E. And until next time, you know, thanks for listening and looking forward to the next episode. Peace. Peace.